Welcome to another episode of Dark Hammer, a Worlds of Warhammer RPG podcast from Darker Days Radio. I'm one of your regular hosts, Chris, and tonight I am joined by our guest, Rob, from the Realm of Fire podcast, which uh, there should be an episode Hello. out soon, which I'm on talking about Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for once, that's what you're talking about, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. But we're not talking about that tonight. No, we're going to be talking <laughs> about uh, Britonia uh, in Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and why it is a interesting land and also an interesting uh, people uh, to make use of in your in your roleplay games, in your Warhammer Fantasy games. Um, before we get into that, uh, Rob, do you want to give a brief introduction to, you know, kind of like Wargaming, you, Realm of Fire, etc, etc? Yeah, sure. I've been playing um, Warhammer and Games Workshop games since about 1991, um, so a bit of an old hand at it now. Um, on the roleplay side, I did play Woofrup 1st Edition, though I don't know how many of the rules we actually followed. We mainly just picked up the big book and read the critical tables and laughed a lot. Um, but I've always been sort of adjacent to it. Um, I did miss out on Wuffrup 2nd and 3rd edition, but have been looking at the Cubicle 7 4th edition stuff. Um, picked up the starter set. Um, great stuff, as always, from Cubicle 7. I'm more of a tabletop gamer in Warhammer than role player, but recently Soulbound has has taken my, my soul um so age of sigma has become my big jam for for fantasy role playing basically cool rightly so um soulbound's an awesome rule set and yeah. i think i think if you look at and and you know uh i think i mean I, i'm biased but <laughs> you know for yeah. warhammer fantasy role play um there's a lot of stuff out for it already now for the yeah. fourth edition uh yeah. maybe more than there ever was for there were more than third or even second in some respects. Um, cool, 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 cool. Um, yeah. Anything else to say? Uh, Realm of Fire, what is Realm of Fire? Yeah, that's my podcast with Brendan, formerly off of Full, Full Metal RPG, where the two of us just talk absolute nonsense about Warhammer, Games Workshop, the fandom, things around it and adjacent to it. Um, we're on a little bit of a gap at the moment. There's a bit of a delay with the latest episode, which is featuring yourself, Chris. But that should be out today on the 3rd of November. So by me saying that, that puts an extra level of pressure on Brendan. <laughs> um, but then we've also already recorded a couple more. So we've had a bit of a break and then there's going to be a few in a row. Bang, bang, bang. And we've gone from Warha RPGs in the Warhammer universe to our favourite armies to why AOS is just really good to can either of us actually be bothered playing 40k anymore and everything in between wow yeah that's a that's a hell of a <laughs> hell of a thing to say um yeah. yeah we'll get into that then uh, yeah. a little bit because we're going to talk about the news now yes. hey listen do you know your d8s from your d12s do you know your modifiers from your bonuses? Do you know your destiny points from your story points? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Either way, you should check out What Am I Rolling? A twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast. Catch up on previous episodes on the What Am I Rolling website, that's www.wairpodcast.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, adventurers, 
need not apply. So, uh, what stuff is out that's cool? Soulbound has had lots of new stuff out recently. Uh, I think the main thing that's... Is it out yet? I can't remember. Is the Undead book out? Yes, Champions of Death is out on PDF and um, physical will arrive. Like like with most of the Soulbound products, there's usually about a three to four month gap between the the PDF release and the physical release. I know the Bestiary is out in America physically, but not in Britain. (sighs) Such is the way. Um, and yeah, they way. did They did a scenario also for free RPG days. Yes. That will likely be a download once the embargo is passed, which I think is like the 15th of this month. So right. um, that will be... I picked it up. I managed to pick it up entirely randomly. I didn't even go in for free RPG day. I went in a few days later and there was one left. So I snagged it. And the scenario is um, the Seven Samurai but with awesome. um, a skeletal undead horde descending on a village and for you to prepare against it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I really up. need to get hold of the undead book because obviously that oh. um, provides new enemies, uh, mm-hmm. new antagonists, uh, new stuff. And also yeah. you can play as undead characters, which is really interesting from the perspective of if you play, you can play a group which are basically bound because obviously Nagash understands mm-hmm. the magics of the soul bound because he helped create mm-hmm. that. So he can create his own soul bound of undead minions in yeah. that respect. But also there's nothing stopping you to have a undead character who is, uh, who is soul bound with uh, the order with characters from the forces of order. So soul bound to Sigma, because then yeah. that gives you that kind of dark, kind of hero someone that's struggling against that pull of nagash which gets you into that kind of vampire hunter d kind of element and i think has really strong elements of the abyssal exalted from the from the rpg exalted by white wolf now paradox um where you could play that type of character because they were basically so if you go back in that the the abyssal exalted were the forerunners of of the age of the world before the world and they were the things that would go on to be recreated in the in the current version of the world as vampires. Essentially, that's the re- apparently the reason for it. Obviously, the the connections between World of Darkness and Exalted now completely dissociated there. Right. Uh, but the fact is, you had vampiric dark heroes like you always see in anime. So, I think um, I think that parallel is really strong then, and I think that makes. Yeah. Uh, and given Soulbound is very bombastic and anime with its action, let's be honest. Yes, yeah, very um, much over the top, very, um, very um, mythological in a way. Um, I think I heard someone describe it as you're playing, you're playing heroes of myth. So you yeah, are, well, 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 we'll playing, and everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll you're playing the average soldier or peasant in. Soulbound, you're playing Achilles and Ajax and Odysseus. You're going on these ma- massive adventures, kind of thing. Um, and I'll have to get that book because the other one that will be coming up after that, which is the setting book we definitely want, is yes. the one which is Orphan Khan yes. <laughs> City, which will be yeah. fucking awesome to play a campaign in. I think Orphan Khan could well be a really good sandbox type campaign and have mm-hmm. very high kind of Mordheim feel to it. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> also out uh, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay has the Enemy Within campaign is now the director's cut version of it is, com- is complete, um, which is 
awesome because now that means they can start producing completely completely brand new content uh there was also a new uh halloween themed uh scenario called feast of blood um and it was a year ago that um hell rise to hell which i designed and then co-wrote with uh, david um came out that's now like a platinum bestseller uh so uh yeah i watched a stream actually of it being played by another group and it was very interesting uh how was that yeah it was it was funny it was interesting they um it just shows like they got really caught up on like on a red herring and were just like completely like stuck on this thing so Mm -hmm. it was interesting seeing how the gm uh tried to steer them on things and obviously they were trying to play within a time limit they allowed themselves six hours to play through this scenario which i thought was a lot like you can you can run roughshod through hell rise (laughs) hell in at least three to four hours uh because it's designed that way um cool obviously the new stuff from warhammer is total war warhammer has unleashed uh, the look of the cathayan armies which obviously mm. bodes well for everything we see in the rpg and ultimately uh, old world when that turns up mm-hmm. um so that's just novel exciting completely new completely unseen so mm-hmm. yeah. interesting new little bits. um and then uh, 40k, uh, well, we'll keep us all, we'll go back to Age of Sigma. There's a lot of new oh, stuff yeah. out for Age of Sigma, like we've Those. now got the Oryx, we've got new Age of Sigma edition we talked about, but the main new cool thing is on the horizon is new Warcry, new box yes. game, Brilliant. new Spider um, <laughs> Worshippers of Chaos, yeah. which is interesting, and the Dark Oath are back, because we saw the Dark Oath originally in Underworlds, Um and I have those miniatures for that warband. Yeah. They're really cool. They're um, just generic, nice barbarians for who make yeah. good heroes even for, I think, could be redeemed and could, you could just turn easily yeah. to Sigmar. So, yes, there was a very good um, short story uh, about, uh, I think it was just called War Queen, and it was based around the Dark Earth War Queen model that came out for Malign Portents. Um, and yes, you got a sense of. What you would have been, what it would have been like in the Age of Chaos to not be a full-blooded worshipper of Chaos, but you just worship your local god. You don't know that your local god is actually a manifestation of Zinch. To you, it's the it's the multi-eyed raven. You know that that's your yeah. representation. And yeah, I really think the Dark Oath are a good. I was going to say shade of grey, but I think shade of brown is a more appropriate mm. uh, colour for them. Um, in terms of chaos, that not everyone who pledges allegiance to chaos is a full-blown tentacle murderer you know there's yeah. people that it's that's just the god you know corn's the god of, of martial heroism and going into bretonia later i think there's a lot of overlap with that but yeah sorry go on that's no that's really cool i mean it also gives a sense that there is a society that they you know they care for things to a certain extent as yeah. well as placating their their the bloodlust of their god um Obviously, that new starter set is, I think, if we talk in terms of UK pricing, is better mm-hmm. priced than um, Catacombs that came before it, because obviously Definitely. we're getting full terrain. So this is the new uh, Varanite Mines. So you're getting like sluiceways and mining outcrops and everything. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to have to get it because it gives me okay. two more warbands. That gives me five, five 
useful. warbands in total. So that means I've got basically a thousand point chaos army. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a manticore as well. You see, um, yeah. So anything like that. And then I've in. got a few other bits. Um, Watch caller from the dark oath. So that those because she's a character leader. So that's that's my army. Uh, and obviously yeah. all the the uh, griblies from the original box game. And I've got yeah. some chaos spawn. So yeah, that'll be fun. Um, the terrain is very um, temple of doom with yes, all the, yes. the mine works and stuff. So love it. Absolutely love it. I'll be interested to see what other terrain sets they bring out off the back mm. of it, because I think that's the strongest thing that that's been happening for Age of Sigma. Whereas comparatively, 40k, um, we've had a new box game of Kill Team come out. There's nothing new yeah. RPG-wise other than them completing Litanies of the Lost, so that's a whole campaign mm. series that's done, which we're looking to maybe do a streamed game of. That'll be fun. Yeah. Um, and then there's some new the new... Um, there's a lot of stuff for 40k actually, like miniatures wise. There's been like Black Templars, there's new Warmonger variant Titan, which looks kind of cool. Oh, the uh, Iconoclast, yes, yeah. that does look good. I was looking at a an article about that today and I was thinking, yes, I could do with a bigger chainsaw, actually. That's a good point. I could do with a, an even more crushing melee Titan. <laughs> like, that um, would be awful. It'd be brilliant. There's been a ton of good stuff out for Necromunda recently. Like they're yeah. really filling in the gaps. I, I'm yeah. kind of in the same thing because, like, obviously, I've not been gaming for for ages because I'm being yeah. a bit more careful COVID-wise. But mm. on the wargaming side, but again, I'm, I'm kind of like I'm getting my because my nephew's hold of. Um, you know, he's like five and he's into right. the Imperium magazine. Now he's right. not going he there's I think they're not going hard on that. Like they've got the first few issues and then stopping. Mm -hmm. But he's miniatures are still a bit hard for him to put together, even though they're yeah. easy clipped together. Yeah. He's not painting oh, you still got to clip them out, haven't you, and stuff. It's yeah. not exactly uh, he's Lego. not painting them, but his dad is doing right. that because it turns out his dad and his dad's brother who are basically my age were also games workshop nerds back in the day maybe not as heavy so they've dug out of the out of the out of the grandparents place like an old predator tank um you yes. know the old um bastion card yes brain. brilliant i think yeah. that in near pristine Oh, lovely. I was like, Jesus Christ. And yeah. then, like, uh, an Everson, was it an Everson assassin? Yeah, an Everson assassin. Yeah. Um, and so my nephew is amused that I can, he can just show me something and I can name it. And they've also got the old, <laughs> I think, 1996 Citadel painting book as well. So he's kind right. of like, he wants all this stuff. And I'm like thinking, none of this stuff is made anymore. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's excited him. And I think the main thing is he's into the dice rolling and, and reading a little bit. So mm. give him another year or so. And the fact is I've collect, I'm collecting Imperium for a bit longer because I've got like right next to me, I've got the, what are they called? The big chunky guys with the chunky fists that are for the um, space rooms. Um, yeah, they've got flamethrowers on them. Yep, yeah, yep, aggressors, yeah. They're really cool. They look great. They, I, think yeah. I actually think they look better than Terminators. Um, <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, wow. Hot, Hot takes. takes is from my show, yeah. Chris. You can't these takes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I'm going to collect that for a few more issues and mm -hmm. get a few things for a little Space Marine Crusade force that's, like, you know, tiny, yeah. along with my, you know, um... What uh, 
rogue trader and her little entourage yes. and then use my vansar as a tech company um imperial guardsmen who are well armed um and that'll be a 40k force and i think that'll do that'll be Which though reminds me i think the new campaign book that games workshop have just announced whatever it's called the octarius or something I think that's got rules for putting your rogue trader people into 40k like fully, like fully fleshed Ooh, out. Oh shit! Let I me, might have to get I, that. I will double check on that. Don't, don't, um, don't go off pre-ordering it. Let me, let me just have a look. But I seem to remember seeing that and thinking, mm, Chris, I saw it and I thought of you, and I think there was a reason why. So let me, let me have a quick look. But yeah, I think that I think that they're sort of putting them in. So I know they're already playable in 40k. I know, you know, you've already got the data. Yeah. But I think there's a bit more to it. So uh, I'm just looking at it now. Uh, Army rules. Yes, here we go. Crusader rules of branching missions. Warhammer 40,000 rules for rogue trader crews. Astro cartographer, more. yeah. Yeah. Cool. Index Astro. Yeah, Astro cartographer. Ooh. There you go, voids of men at arms, etc. So yeah, there you go. Maybe that's um... yeah. Then I'm gonna have to um, I'm gonna have to pick that up. That's my that'll be basic. Well, I mean, that's the data ships. That's index. That's that's the army. I basically just need yeah. that and the space marine codex. And my, that's my 40k army. Yeah. Um, yeah. It literally says you can convert your own personalized crew as long as well as the ones from the rogue trader. You know, they're they're in there. Yeah, so basically all of my Vansar will just become Voidsmen because they'll mm-hmm. be better than General Guardsmen. So, uh, yeah, uh-huh. um, cool. That's really exciting, actually. That's the first That's <laughs> the first book from 40K other than the core book that's excited me. Um, in all fairness, the new box that, that they've got with the Gene Stealers having got to Earth is um, oh, yeah. scary. It is. Do you know what I was thinking? Because when you mentioned it before about Age of Sigmar, I think what always lets 40k down for me is the terrain because there's only so many pipes and imperial ruins yeah. before I just get bored. I, I just look at it and get bored compared to, say, the Death World stuff with the Eldar and you're like, oh, now I'm a bit more excited. When it's pipes yeah, exactly. and crates again, it's just like... I don't care what the armies are. We're fighting over pipes and crates again. You know, it's, it's... like at least mm. at least the first kill team box had excitement in the sense that it was like it was basically a Gorkamorka fan's yes. wet dream of mm-hmm. plastic plastic orc fort, which is just what mm. you want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, obviously, I like pipes and stuff because I like Necromunda. I just actually got I bought on eBay just a single floor tile to finish off. <laughs> Because I had, because I was like, three by three. I want, do I want to pay the full whack to get four more, right. or do I want just one more? So I had a a, a three by three aisle, as in nine of them. Yeah. Yeah. Did I need twelve, or do I need just nine? I went, no, I'll go with nine, and it's only one more to pay. Anyway, that's uh, the only other exciting thing is to say that um, I need to get a Thunderhawk because the new Aaron Autry Imperialis box yes. game is they're really cool miniatures. I want a Thunderhawk because mm. uh, yeah. I'm obviously building epic armies. I still got to paint mm-hmm. epic armies and do my um, uh, do my time of heresy with it. I missed out on like a was it an Eldar army that would have looked really cool to have oh, but yeah. you know right. epic stuff on ebay is tough anyway enough shite um <laughs> enough shite let's move on to the main topic which is bretonia so 
I'm going to do a really brief uh, history because I wrote this last night. Dude, um, you did. Go and we'll it. go through it. There's, we'll do the highlights. Okay, so Bretonians, they're humans. <laughs> um, basically, a little tribe called the Brioni. Um, Brioni. Uh, they essentially, the Bretonia, whatever tribe, yeah. Um, they went uh, west over the Grey Mountains, leaving the other tribes that would go on to be, you know, formed together to form the Empire. So they go into this lush, verdant land, which is basically France. Um, <laughs> nice rolling hills, uh, I'm sure, ha make lovely have lovely places to grow vineyards in the future. But the fact is, it's filled with fucking orcs, right? Yes. Um, they war, drive them out. The Brioni or Bretoni, they're, they, they're made up of a, a number of tribes, I think 16 in total at the time. Right. Um, so they fight against Greenskins. They try to go into some of the forests, and one of the forests down towards the south, they're like, nah, that scares us too much, and people go in and never leave. I wonder what's in there. Could it be wood elves? <laughs> or at least it's elves that will go on to be the wood elves of the yes. future. Would they have been wood elves by that point, actually? No, I don't. Um, when was could be didn't, wood elves became a thing during the War of the Beard, didn't they? Yeah, so this could be a bit. L uh, this is around the time before. You keep, before you keep going Sigmar. Up. I'm going to do a bit of fast. Yeah. Anyway, before. so obviously, while Sigmar forges his empire, um, the the offer is made to the uh, Bretoni to you know become part of mm -hmm. his empire and they go no or at least they maybe say no and no they say nah and they don't and so they stick around yeah. uh fighting for the next thousand years amongst themselves so that's why at least you can say um in terms of their society and their technology they're backwards compared to the empire they're about a thousand years behind them in some respects because they just stay as warring tribes for so long mm. yeah. um these Basically, they have they form they have dukes, and so you you've got the formation of their dukedoms. There are sixteen in total. Only fourteen survive to the modern age, mm -hmm. and at some point, um, around about uh, you know, thousand years after Sigma does his thing, you have Gal de Baston, heir of the Duke of Brient, who slays the Red Worm Smirgus. Smeargus. Mm. Mm. Interesting mm. name. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he does Someone that. reading Tolkien that day. Yeah, he does that. Kills mm -hmm. a bunch of orcs. There's, um, takes his father's title and tries to, you know, goes about unifying the tribes. Uh, mm -hmm. And then one, and as they're doing all this, there's one night where he and his, uh, his entourage, they sleep near the forest of Chalon. And a lady emerges from the lake bearing mm. a cup and he drinks from it and she says you're the king of Bretonia and again this just sounds like total bloody elves making humans do their dirty work to be honest um, <laughs> uh, anyway she obviously you know he becomes king the rest of the entourage become his grail knights and then there's a series of 12 battles over the course of 17 years to um to you know, not over seventeen years. Sorry, twelve battles over. I think two or three years to to basically you know, remove the scourge of the orcs from these lands, and then seventeen years later, having defeated all them, he is struck down in battle. He's born to the nearest lake, and then he disappears into the mists. 
which mm. is interesting. Um, I, w- I wonder which I wonder which real world legend we're basing all this on. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. so his son uh, Louis um, becomes king, uh, but a true king is obviously blessed by the Grail, so he has to go on a Grail quest, and then he comes mm-hmm. back resplendent and radiant with his power, and he also draws up the decrees of chivalry. <laughs> So that's basically how we get Bretonia. Now the really fun shit starts happening when when we get Bretonia gets hit by the red pox. So this is in in their year of 835 which is is empire year 1813. Ravages mm-hmm. Bretonia, Skaven are laying siege to Brion and Quenelles. So I wonder if that's the same time as when the Skaven are doing their big war against the empire. I can't quite remember. Ooh, that's probably a good uh, a good shout actually. Again, this brings up: Do the Bretonians leave in Skaven? Uh, you know, it's one of these things. Anyway, so yeah. all that's going on, yes. the Duke of Merovich of Mus- uh, sorry, Duke Merovich of Musalon uh, is basically seems, and his men seem unaffected by mm-hmm. pox. How could that be? Are they blessed by the Grail? So they go about, <laughs> uh, you know, breaking the siege. Uh, by the Skaven, and they have a victory feast held in Mouslon, and Vlad the Impaler style has criminals on stakes in his hall. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, like, that's... Uh... Oh, sorry, one of the bots has just gone down. Yeah, we've lost oh. a bot, yeah. Welcome to you. Um, cool. Anyway, so the dis- other nobles there are disgusted, and the king of the time challenges the duke, and the duke slays him in single combat by mm. ripping his throat out by, with his bare hands and then drinking yeah. his blood. Very that nice, isn't red it? flags. <laughs> I don't know what is. So the lands of Muslon yeah. annexed by other, other lords, and then later, uh, Duke Maldred of Musalon, uh, who claims to have taken the Lady of Lake as, as his wife, rides out to claim the th- crown he's met by the king uh again there's about to be a battle uh holds up claims to have the grail holds it aloft and then who decides to appear why it's the green knight who rides out the forest challenges the duke reveals it all to be a sham and the title of the duke of musalon is finally dissolved that's basically bretonia in a nutshell i can't remember if there's anything more up to date um, that I've missed that take, brings us up to um, the end no, times. No, I don't think so. Not in terms of, yeah, it, obviously the end times w- w- would, wouldn't affect if we're going to talk about Wuffer up because you wouldn't go into that, would you really? But I think No, not covered, too much. No, you've covered the beats really. Uh, just to go back a little bit, um, uh, so the War of the Beard, actually the main battleground was Bretonia. The, oh, there we was, go then. It was studded with elven colonies, and that's where a lot of the actual fighting happened. Um, and the humans didn't cross the mountains until afterwards, when the wood el the elves who remained would have sort of be- started to become what we now know as the wood elves. So actually, I think there's quite a lot of there would be quite a lot of elven ruins around in Bretonia that would be quite an interesting um, little thing. Interesting. So, yeah, that's that, a yeah. really good um, story hook, actually. Then. Yeah. Um, I think the other good thing that that expands the world a bit further is the fact that the of um, the history of Bretonia, the, they've had lots of dealings with um, Estalia uh, mm-hmm. to the south and the uh, the Arabians 
who invaded Astalia. So there's the whole kind of, you know, you know, knights and Elsid and that. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. So you know, you can you can lean into those themes if you wanted. So depending upon how you do your historical, you could because again, that's the point of Warhammer Fantasy Robot. You could you could pick any time period you wanted to, and uh, you can delve into it. Like you know, you can look into Bretonnia in the year fifteen uh, thirteen. So that's twenty four ninety one of of uh, Empire uh, on the mm-hmm. Empire calendar, and you know, Hyra Kemler is, you know, yes. tra- is trampling uh, mm. Bretonians. So there's a lot of I think the themes that turn up with the Bretonians is obviously there's this this um, obviously you know the whole fey magic mm-hmm. that they call upon that they they're blessed yes. by you know the Green Knight and kind of that the druidic kind of power the lake and, yeah. lies in the background to their grail quest. So they have all the trappings of of knights, Templar and so forth without all the Christianity um on there. Mm-hmm. And then you have against that you can have, you know, the a lot of the undead and vampiric um knights. And and then also the Arabians, you could also say again, depending on how you want to portray them, can call upon uh, their their particular types of magics, and uh, likely, uh, I would say, strong uh, strong aptitude in uh, alchemy, because that's yeah. you know that's thematically you yes. know let's yeah. let's be honest. Uh, modern day chemistry wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the fact that uh, the in the Middle East they they um, claimed and looked after all the sciences that the Romans had uh, as the Roman yeah. Empire dissolved. So let's be honest about that. That's why we should. That's why chemistry has its name. Anyway, mm. moving on. Mm. So anything else interesting about history before we carry on? Um, no, I think I think Bretonnia is an interesting one in terms of its history because it it went through a major rewrite during the fifth edition of the War of the Fancy Battle game when it went yeah. from just a medieval society to a French Arthurian medieval society. Yeah, and a lot of it was developed in that way. I when we next talk about themes and stuff is when I I particularly want to comment. But in terms of the history, I think you've done an excellent stand up job there of, of putting Bretonnia in its place. So let's just be conversational then about the yeah. society because mm. we've got we've got a society that is far more structured in some respects than the empire, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yes. If 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 the empire is Renaissance um, merchant class Germany, this is high medieval France. Hmm. So. so what are we gonna what what are we gonna play and how does that influence mm-hmm. us? Like what what are we going to experience if we are characters from Bretonia? Sure. So I think I'm gonna take a, a beat from World of Darkness here and think of some themes, you know, themes and atmosphere, I think is, yeah. is essential to even think of the character before we even start on characters. Um and for me, the major theme of Bretonia is parasitic. It's a parasitic place. It's got the whole vampiric echo to it which is brilliant and and the whole thing but you've also got a society where you have the rich and this is my politics bleeding the poor mm. to death um yeah. in order to fight their wars it is it is both 
there is parasites from the from the nobles, from the barons, who are also being bled to death, literally by the vamp- vampires that you know are living in their ancestral castles. So I think if you want to really experience Bretonia, like the Empire, you're looking at low characters again. You're not you're not going to be Grail Knights. I think a Grail Knight would not be a suitable character. I think you're looking at maybe a knight errant, the you know, the the your first first step on the rung of knighthood would be yeah. your highest level character. Um other than that, again, it's 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 a it's it's a it's a it's a brutal society, Bretonia. It really is. I'm gonna jump in on, on that though, with the idea that yeah. you can't like I think if you're playing a knight errant, I think taking um what is generally it's not that bad a film. Let's take um is it uh which film is it? I can't think Excalibur. of it. No, no. Uh what's on with um is it uh let me think. Let me just Google it. It's not a Knight's Tale with Heath Ledger, is it? I'm gonna actually say a Knight's Tale because yeah. while it is very pop culture-y, um mm-hmm. it's obviously it's I think it it's allowed to because you know, we history is written by the victors, obviously, mm-hmm. and so what we understand of the medieval period is very much based upon um, how uh, men who won lots of wars uh, got to write about things, and obviously yeah. the church. But I think uh, a knight's tale is cool because you have that that whole entourage. Like a knight is a knight, but he's nothing mm. without the people that yeah. look after his horse that look after his weapons, that look Page after his clothing, yeah. his leather, his um, his herbalist. And I think that, right. as a party, could be, would be fucking fun. fun. That would be play. a lot of fun. And I think yeah. it has a lot of parallels to what we've done, that I've done in um, in Wrath and Glory, where you've got, okay, yeah. one of the pe- one of the, the players is the commissar. They are right. the leader, but they're nothing without their entourage yeah. who... Who are more able to go where they cannot? Yeah, I, I think, think that's, that's a cool party. Really time. good idea, actually, because yes, although you know mechanically maybe the knight errant is a step above the others, he still he might be a bit of an idiot. You know, <laughs> he can't talk his st- way he, around anything. He's a he, step he, above them in terms of of part of society, but he's at the bottom yeah. of another part of society, whereas they could actually be quite high up in their yes. portion of society. So again, everything's all, it's all relative. <laughs> mm, yeah, you know, to not lean into a very common uh, pop culture thing that ruins a lot of RPGs, the first um, Blackadder would be a good example of while one of you plays the noble, the other ones of you are playing actually the servants who know what's going on and doing the work kind of thing, and, and the noble's just the idiot, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I hadn't even thought of that, and you've taught me around to it now. I'm going to start making a Bretonian character just for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, so society is divided. So we've got basically we've got plebs and and serfs, yeah. and we've got um, the landed gentry, basically, right? Yeah. Yes, it's feudalism. So you have yes, the people with land, the haves and the haves not. Basically, people with land, people without land. And how is so? What what's how's the nobility broken down? Like we've got a king, mm-hmm. comes dukes. So dukes rule over basically baronies. provinces, baron, yeah. and then we've got baronies within those yeah. uh, dukedoms. 
then we've got lords within those baronies, and then we've mm-hmm. got knights, yeah. and yeah. that's as low as it gets, doesn't it? And then there's a few yes, other particular titles that can be... Yeah, there'll be um, religious-based titles, for example. I was about to say bishops, but obviously not bishops, but what would be the equivalent of bishops within the um, the religion of the lady? But yeah... yeah. I... Which, which actually, I am I'm very ignorant on. I, I've realised this while re- researching this episode. I don't think the church is particularly explored in Britonia in the background. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's possibly the bit that feels the weakest part. I mean, mm. if I was to, if I was to say, if I was to portray what their church should be like. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Is that if. Church of Sigmar's basically if you think of the if you think of the Christian church, but instead of Christ it's Mithras, and Mithras yeah. was actually a god that was able to bestow you know, mm-hmm. yeah. um uh blessings and do divine yeah. actions on for mm-hmm. his yeah. priests. Yeah. Um then I think the best way to think about how to present a form of church that makes sense for Bretonia is to look at the Catholic Church because mm-hmm. but because the Catholic Church has actually a really high focus on the Virgin Mary. Just yeah. take that as your thing. Like she is the 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 figure the the center of worship and mm-hmm. represents its kind of she is pure in that respect and from her flows this you know divine power that is goes down through the king and his line. I think that's the mm-hmm. best way to go for it. Just yeah, just do Absolutely. as just do as Catholics, but just aware that they are totally focused on the Virgin Mary. Yeah. I think um I think again also the the religion would be divided between the haves and the haves nots. I think the haves would worship the lady in the Catholic Lady Mary way. I think the have nots, the villagers, would probably fall back to more what we would recognise as folk um, sort of beliefs and things, beliefs in nature, belief in the land, um, and sort of, the, the, especially with the influence of the Wood Elves creeps in, almost that nature worship, which I think yeah. could be a fun little um, divide, again, between noble who everything is done through the blessing of the lady and the maybe the, the wiser, you know, <laughs> the spiritualist or herbalist who's a bit more like, well, okay, maybe, but also, you know, it's just the way of things and how things are. So I think that is actually a prime material for role-playing, uh, exploring what the worship of the lady is, because we only know it really from the battle game. In that way, it's very much a martial belief. Everyone prays to the lady before the battle, so the arrows will deflect off their armour and that's it. That's all you really know about it. Everyone prays, and that's it. There's nowhere near that level of um, of, of almost investigation that you get with a lot of the empire religions, with the, the worship of Moor and Mithras and you know Sigma and everything. Yeah, and I I can imagine that then our plebs that if they do turn more and more to the old ways, and we oh. can get in that kind of druidic kind of uh worship that yeah. then ties into um the green knight and the fae yes uh that yeah. would you would look at tal and raya but then there would also be the uh maybe the very small tidbits of like worship of of the elven gods then who yeah, also definitely. 
you know, you'd have those stories of the walking trees in the in the forest because yes, there are tree men, you know, like they, you are literally in that land. So of course, yeah, if Athel Loren is is on your border, that that's gonna spill into your worship. That's gonna spill into your tales. Uh, okay, so we've got our nobles, and yeah. they have their courts, which are made up of lords and ladies. Uh, we've got no middle class, so oh, well, well, that means there's no there's no chance of even becoming moving up through society. There is none of that. I mean, even in the empire, you can work your way up through the ranks and be even become yeah. become emperor. Look at Magnus yeah. the Pious. Yeah, <laughs> um, and there's a city of merchants. There literally is um, uh, Marienburg, isn't there? You know where people can become a prince. You can become the prince of Marienburg from having enough money. And you know we have our knights who are elite fighters. They do all their errantry and training, um, and then they 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 perform. They form the elite core of your armies. The rest of your armies are drawn from your peasants who are just really going to be trained to do archery and uh yeah. and very very basic weaponry but i mean this again is parallels to medieval middle age england where obviously if you look at the hundred which which oh god i can't think of the battle um which we which i call yeah you you you're literally just defeating en masse the enemy using ranks and ranks of archers and so forth so so um that's really the setup of their armies. So being a peasant means you've just really you've got a patch of land which you're. I mean, you're not even renting it. You're just having no. to pay a tithe to your lord. Yeah, as yeah you literally it's take what you require to to exist. So you're not even going to be able to earn or keep much of your wealth. You're not going to earn much wealth in the first place. You're just going to earn enough to survive. So, uh, you know, merchants then are going to be rare in this land because they're, they're going to be, I guess, I mean, looking at, looking at Knights of the Grail and reading the PDF, I mean, mm. merchants essentially are the top end of being a peasant and you've just got a little bit more, yeah. um, you've got a little bit more agency in where you go. Yeah. But that's because your role demands it and the lords need you to do that in order to do trade for them so you're a, a necessary evil for the nobility yes yes absolutely and even top end of peasantry there is always that chance that if your lord has pledged 500 spears to the king when the next war breaks out and he's only got 499 ready people you're just going to have a spear handed to you and off you go to the front and you've got no yeah. choice in this. It's incredibly important to remember that people were property. You know, they really were. And if you're going to mirror that, I think that is important to always have that threat. You know, in, it, it, I think Wolfrop is good for it anyway, in terms of you're not braggadocio, in terms of it's not D&D, you're not swaggering around the lands particularly, but in Bretonia, the wrong word in the wrong place. And your, you know, your, your life is forfeit because a Lord has the ability to execute you for no reason. You know, it really is a brutal society. I was just thinking, because of that division between nobility and peasants, mm. and that means their politics is very much divided uh, between the two, it does yeah. mean that pe the peasantry and their politics can actually become quite a bit of a proxy war for, um, for rivalries between lords. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much. Which is, 
which is uh, again another interesting thing. So even though you your even though your your ceiling has a very <laughs> solid concrete roof to it, yeah, um, there's still a lot of role play fun to be had even as a peasant. Uh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Because also, what's one of the greatest stories ever told? Robin Hood. The yeah. outlaw is, you know, one of you could be role playing outlaw in Britonia. What would that be great fun? That, you know, not only are you dealing with the Baron's men, there's also deeper and darker things in that wood that you're taking shelter in. That's a whole thing there. And of course, there's uprisings, and yeah. uh, peasants will, you know, die of starvation because their lords are not, you know, are not doing what they should do, which is also to look after their mm -hmm. their populace and that's that's another interesting aspect about this i guess is that whereas the empire you're kind of like you know it's you've got that freedom and you pay the price of that freedom because of that um dynamic between the gentry and the peasants the one requires the other the other requires the other one as well mm. so they have to look after each other in this kind of um symbiosis as bad yeah. as that symbiosis is, because it's obviously being sucked upon by a vampiric nobility and and yeah. those who are, and and likely, highly likely, uh, peasants that have turned to chaos. You know, cultists that, um, mm -hmm. that exist. Yeah. Again, I think the vampire analogy is a perfect one for the whole society. That you know, if you're a vampire, why don't you just eat everyone? Well, because you need food tomorrow. And that's you know that that's the that's the nobles' viewpoint of yeah, these people are under me. Also, you know, I need six tons of carrots every month for the for the castle. So, um, and I really think you could have a lot a real lot of fun exploring punching up from being a peasant. You can't you'll never join the nobility, but you can punch you can try and knock down that stone ceiling above you and see see what can happen. And maybe you do that the behest of a god that maybe you shouldn't but or maybe you're doing it for liberty you know so i think there is a lot you can play with in terms of that now in knights of the ground there's a lot of good detail on and we're not going to go into this, laws of chivalry and peasant law which just basically means there's a lot of structure that if you're wanting to set your games here um yeah. and explore it you can easily pick up this pdf and there's a very good bundle for it which i don't think it's going to be around by the time this episode comes out, which will likely be in there. Um, but the point is, you know, you can look into how peasants and nobility interact and mm -hmm. whether, you know, one murders the other, what's the implications of that. There's also a good bit of uh, detail on the Lady of the Lake and worship of her uh, mm -hmm. with, yeah, I mean, it says the strictures here of, of the Lady are preserve your modesty and innocence, Servant, oh no, no, no! This is is this the Lady of the Lake? Oh, goddess! These are the strictures of her. Sorry, is preserve your modesty and innocence. Serve and obey your father before marriage. Uh, your husband after. Succor those who are weak and helpless through no fault of your own. Show favor. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, sounds awful. That's awful. I'm not gonna lie. That sounds awful. That's. Ladies I... in Britonia, primarily primarily by the nobility. I mean, I would modify that a good deal to make it feel more like worship of the Virgin Mary. And I think some of that would still help. I think you just don't need that obey your father before marriage no, nonsense. Now, we say that mm. because as presented in second edition, um, 
women in uh, society mm-hmm. have no position in uh, in their armies. So there's a clear mm-hmm. divide based upon uh, based upon the sexes, right? Now, feel for role play. You have two options uh, in this, and this depends entirely upon your group of players how they want to do this because remember we're playing elf games here the moment we add in elves and dragons everything about historical society in our world goes out the window so either a you can lean into this and go yes the society is divided it's shit and we're gonna strain against it with women dressing as men pretending to be men and fighting as knights and that has some implications mm-hmm. and I think that's fun and interesting that gets us into the whole um, element of um, that we even see historically Yeah. or mm-hmm. go the other way and just go we're going to ignore it and mm-hmm. allow our players to play what they want the, both ways are fair depending on your player group Um uh, mm-hmm. And I think also, if you are playing a group of characters that are not from Bretonia, so they're from the Empire, coming to mm-hmm. Bretonia, you could possibly still go with the former, where the society is split like that, to really emphasise the difference between this land and the Empire, where the Empire is perhaps more progressive, both in terms of technology, but also mm-hmm. in terms of society. Actually. So... Mm. Ultimately, have fun with it and, and use what works at your table. I mean, yeah. personally, yeah, for me, it really depends what I'm running and how I'm going to run right. it. But I would go with once once you've got dragons in, everything's fair game. So I would drop historical. So actually, I'm going to very very quickly now, very just tell you how I would run Bretonia if I was to run it entirely. I would do that for a start. In in regards to gender issue, it doesn't matter. You are both all genders are equal in this world and can act at every level of society the, the divide is the class divide that's the difficult bit i would strip away a lot of the arthurian side of it hmm. i would i don't like it as a book series or a tv series but i do think game of thrones is a good touch point for bretonia it should be barons and houses that don't care killing each other for the smallest bit of land um and then i'd mix in a lot of more tolkien elements of the worship of the land by the peasantry uh the former glories of the place um and mix in the sort of the folk worship into there so that would be my mood and theme if i play bretonia in terms of the gender issue i would just say no it doesn't matter there are female knights there are female peasants everyone has to work the land Everyone has to fight in the wars. You know, it's almost the, the the Imperial Guard thing of, I don't care, as long as you can hold this gun, you're going to the front. So, you know, that that's what it would be in my eyes. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a fair approach. Um, yeah, I, actually, no, I don't... That's hard to disagree with. I think that's a, a really good way. And I, actually, it's good that you brought up that. I think also that Game of Thrones approach... Mm. Um, could definitely be mapped onto Talir with all the warring warring city states. Um, yes, although in that case, I would just literally get a book on the Borgia family and go oh, go yeah. mad, go mad, just just oh, look, also, read that and go, Jesus Christ! <laughs> <also> <laughs> like, like, 
the um the series the borgias as well just watch yeah. that and just watch complete nonsense yeah. occur um <laughs> yeah absolutely definitely um yeah <laughs> i think it's always better than the imagination that's that's the key but to yeah that. stripping yeah i think stripping back a bit the arthurian um mm. stuff i think, it, I think it it's just a bit too much. overwrought yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. when it's it and the green knight and the returning of Arthur at the end of t- days. It was just a bit like, all right. I, I, as I, said, I think fifth edition was a terrible rewrite for Bretonia. I really think they became a joke uh, as a, that didn't fit into the Warhammer world. And everyone had a pun name. And it was just Frenchy McFrench French. And it was just like, this is, this is really bad actually now. There's some also really interesting things in Knights of the Grail. There's the section on stolen children that are taken by the oh. Fae Enchantress. Oh. So again, this gets... And then, so basically, these are children that are uh, generally girls who are uh, have magical talent mm. and return as damsels of the lady. So they're, you know, blessed and empowered. Mm-hmm. Again, that's that's really interesting because that gives us that kind of weirdness of like that again like you know because if you look at how um the celtic gods became the fae mm. yeah fairies and you think of uh morgana la fae and uh, you know all, all those you know gods became fae creatures where while mm-hmm. you know we have you know the christian church as it is Again, mm. you've got this weird. If you if you try and enhance that kind of balance of the church of the of of the Lady of the Lake to be more the church like the Church of the Virgin Mary, but obviously with blessings and something and miracles actually occurring. Yeah. While also balanced with that kind of dark knowledge that out at the edges towards where the where the elves are is mm-hmm. the old is an older faith. Which is about, which is more like the druidic element. Then mm. I think that's really fun to play up. Um, yeah, absolutely interesting. Because then, yeah, as it says, the fair Bretonia are actually the wood elves of Athol yeah. Lauren. I mean, so that's a really important thing then as well to say is if you're going down this route of setting your games, there, I don't know. Again, this is where I feel like a little conflicted with how. The fact that wood elves are playable in right. Warhammer Fantasy, yeah, it should be really, really rare. So what happens yeah. if you're a wood elf and you you're from the Empire, where they're kind of like you're an elf, we get it, um, and you mm. go to Bretonia, we're like you're yeah. one of the Fae. I I agree. I think elves should be playable, but not wood elves. Wood elves should be almost an alien species to me. Um, even an elf, though walking around, even, even an elf should be. I I do think Wolfrop shouldn't have elves in it, but also I don't like elves, so I'm probably not. Yeah, I know. I understand. That. I mean, <laughs> I'm not the person to uh, comment I think on a, that. I think an elf would walking around Bretonia. They'd be worshipped, would... wouldn't they? Or or feared and strung up, you know? Like it'd be two ways. Yeah, they'd have to be really careful and and mm. because again you're talking about you're looking at a society that's quite backwards as it said yeah. the fair uh no bretonian characters who encounter the fair are quite likely to realize that elves uh the bretonian characters with substantial personal experience elves may also make the connection so 
there's a disjoint between what they understand as an elf as a as a high elf or uh, an elf who's grown up in the empire mm-hmm. versus a wood elf. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I think if you're going to be using Bretonian characters, you are a lot's going to have to change anyway. I think you're going to have to just yeah. accept it's not a standard game of Wolf Up, and there will be certain oh. things that do and don't happen, basically. Um, and then the other thing we have to talk about is magic, because obviously magic here is yeah. going to be quite different. We've already said that uh, you know you could be touched by the Fae, and mm-hmm. so your magic is seen as a blessing of the Fae. Uh, you'll yeah. be you'll have priests and and uh, nuns, I guess, uh, damsels. I would say again, go go hard on the idea of nuns and so forth to yeah. to the Lady of the Lake. Uh, yeah, and. I think you could almost take inspiration from the Sisters of Battle from 40k. Yeah, how, I think how that would be... their miracles manifest and things like that. I, I think that's also a really good way of, again, if you want to try and break down to a certain extent the gender divide and have mm-hmm. a militant, um, yeah, militant, fee, a militant uh, sisterhood, uh, yeah. that would be really, really fun. I mean, there's there's precedence for it with the uh, the same with the Sisters of Sigma. Yeah. Um, and, and this is a place where the, the winds of death blow strong. Death magic yeah. is pretty prevalent in Bretonia. This is not a, you know, the, the, you're going to have these. Again, it's it's a medieval France where the Fae exist. Vampires and werewolves exist. So, you know, maybe the wise woman who is healing, maybe they're tapping into the winds of death, actually, you know, uh, ironically. Or, you know, there's. The, I think death magic would have a big sway in this in this land. What about then? How do they feel then about wizards? Are they going to be wary of wizards? That's a good question because I don't know. Um, that, that that is a really fun explanation because the winds of the the colleges of magic are very much an empire and elven thing, aren't they? That's that's. I, I, I... So I would go one of two ways on this. You've yeah. got your, you've got your, um, damsels, fey blessed, fey taught. Right, yeah. They use magic. So in other words, the Wood Elves have worked out a form of magic that they teach that's not high magic and so forth that mm-hmm. these damsels use. And that's accepted. Yes. Then the other magic, so most probably anyone that you count as hedge wizards mostly exists mm-hmm. within the peasant population, so that's acceptable. Yeah. Their other wizards... I would say maybe if they're if they're not caught by the fae, are still evil err towards the more druidic kind of sense yeah. of it. Jade magic and things like that. Jade and amber. And I'm thinking like their portrayal. If you want to go pretty dark, just look at um, the TV series Britannia and look at the Mackenzie um, oh, okay. Crooks character in that. Yeah. And then if we're going to go the other way, I'm wondering that if you haven't got full colleges of magic, hmm. can we go with something that feels more hermetic for where it's Ooh. taught within, where they learn in like their towers in some some yeah. part of the uh, in some part of Bretonia. So oh, there yeah. could be a guild of some yeah, sort. And- Wizards could become a, a huge boon to a lord, you know, and almost oh, yeah. become a resource to fight over. You know, they, 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 
if the Lord has a council of wizards who can read the stars, another Baron might think, well, hang on, I could do with one of them. But then, obviously, <laughs> no. they, don't, they don't have their colleges of magic, so they're possibly no. quite dangerous because uh, they're basically going to be hedge wizardry that's cranked up to the nines and obviously has a lot of experience. So you could say there could be a form of it's something similar to a college of magic like a stable form of magic that's particular to the to bretonia um yeah. that oh yeah i would go with hermeticism so go with stuff so rather mm. than the college of magic they're very elemental based go with yeah. something that's around symbolism so go with like re mm. as you say reading um you know, hermetics and yeah and and symbolism and and uh, writing runes down because that's then kind of an extension yeah. of the old way. Um, Almost picturing a, uh, a room with Blair Witch symbols, you know, like small wooden symbols that are are seen as the sacred symbols of the woods and then trying to be extended, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, okay, so then to wrap up, <laughs> yes. um, obviously End Times, I haven't read End Times much, well, though. <laughs> I guess happened. civil what civil war caused by vampiric influence. Yeah. That's a no brainer. Yeah. Um as a fun bit to play Warhammer Fantasy roleplay, you know, you've got mm. the kingdom split in half, you've got people yeah. turned to to vampires, you've got the Lamia could mostly um influence uh a noble easily. Yeah. Uh you could possibly take ideas from Cam uh, Carmilla influencing a lady. Um, yeah, all that you've got stuff. Blood Knight. You know, you've, you've literally got, got an order of you've... vampires who yeah. are chivalric. You know, they they literally are that. That's also quite interesting because if they've if there are order of vampires that actually have have a, a sense blood of dragons, sorry, blood dragons, not blood knights. If they if you've got a group of vampiric knights who have a sense of chivalry, they're mm. actually interesting allies against chaos or or yeah. savage. Armies like orcs and skaven, so that's always fun. I always like that idea of good guy undead. Like they're yeah, undead, they're a bit yeah. hard to trust, but in a in a in a pinch, they're they're always going to fight on your side because yeah. who are they going to eat if you're all dead? Um, exactly. And then we've got the return of Giles de Breton. So the, I th the... we think, yeah, the Green Knight, of course, he's the yeah. the king. To come back, yeah, Arthurian, blah blah blah. Uh, blah, blah. But what's <laughs> most interesting to play then and explore, yeah. as we said, is a knight and their entourage. There's a few um, Bretonian racial features, as they say. I wouldn't say racial features. I would yeah. say uh, ethnic features of them. Um, like heritage, heritage, heritage yeah. or ancestry. Like they're good terms. So. There's meant to be something about how their language has a lot of words around food, <laughs> so <laughs> they're quite word. They've got a lot of different. They've got a, like it's not just a cheese. There's lots of words for cheese, and there's lots of words okay. for wine and stuff okay. like that. Very specific, yeah. Um, <laughs> again, I think they're just trying to say something about the French, which is just French, really yeah, bad. That's definitely yeah. really bad, really really bad Warhammer. Yeah. Um, I mean, it yeah. could be worse. It could be the Stragani. Remember, there's always worse places to go. Oh, no. I was going to mention Usheron because obviously there's a whole parallel <sighs> between uh, Bretonia and the Flesh Eater Courts, which we're not going to get into. But oh my God, I read that book because I wanted to read a bit. Oh, don't read that one. That is a no read from Rob. Uh, that's what I put on the cover. If you want um, to be anti traveler, that's a book. Terrible. Brilliant. Um, 
anyway, in the in the Knights of the Grail book, there's um, they even break down the provinces of like what their talents right. or skills would be and the specializations of those areas of the people. And it also gives you a table of random table of names. That's really useful. Um, the careers. What have we got? Battle Pilgrim. You could. That's basically a flagellant. Another yes. name. Yes, but um, you're carrying a horse's head, which is great because you think yeah. that's a horse. <laughs> that, uh, that's uh, uh, a carcass on shepherd. So they're basically shepherds who have actually also they have a, a Bretonian, um staff which ends in a spearhead and has a crook to it because they're actually very good at fighting beastmen and orcs. Oh. So that's again a peasant, but with some martial training and a good weapon. Um, I think that a carcass and peasant gives you two points per tile as well, if I remember correctly. Mm, um, Sorry. You've got the faceless, that's they're basically getting into their outlaws. You can play an outlaw, that would be typical. Mm-hmm. Uh, a grail knight, you can just use the knight um, career in Warhammer Fantasy. You'll mostly have... Do they have anything? They don't do magic, do they? No. They're just no, going to have different holy symbols. And, yeah. You've got Grail Pilgrim again. That's going to be like uh, that's going to be like your peasant, but they're going to be a bit higher up and mostly have changed career by that point to be the equivalent of like a a priest, um, a Heremalt, which is uh, is an outlaw. So that's your you just again use the outlaw career to you could easily represent one right. of those. Uh, we've got Knight Errants, again, and Knights of the Realm. These are all easily represented by our different types of advanced careers as well. And Because um, okay. remember, these careers lead one into another, whereas the career yeah. system in Warhammer Fantasy 4th Edition has four levels to it. So all of the, some of these are actually just the higher level of a current career. Um, a Man at Arms, we already have those. A Mediator, yeah, that exists. Uh, a Village Elder, yeah... Warden and a yeoman. So actually, most of what's in the Knights of the Grail can easily be replicated out of the book um, using yeah. um, using Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay Fourth Edition. I'm now really super hyped. I think we should do a one shot. I think we should. I'm really. I'm for, for considering. I was just like, oh fucking Britannia. Now I'm like, I think it'd be oh really. Do you want to be really fun yeah. to play? I think it'd be a yeah. one shot set in Britannia. And yeah. again, we go with the the party concept of the yeah. knight and the starting out knight and yes. their entourage. The and yeah. I definitely I feel one of the entourage should be either a Stalian or Talian nice. just to add in yeah. the otherness. Or or even or even just someone from the Empire who's just like yeah. who's just like very Germanic going, Does this do you have schnitzel? Um yeah. and like <laughs> yeah. like what am I well, eating here? Um, to, to to again go back to it, um, you know, in Prince of Thieves, Thingy's um, the Moor character. Um, I cannot remember the actor's name now. But uh, Morgan his, Freeman. His yeah. Role, yeah, his whole role is to be like, this is ridiculous. Your your society is stupid, you know. And then that's always a fun thing when you have that in a role play adventure, where you have someone go, why aren't why are these people working the land to their deaths? This is ridiculous. Like, you could have that. Cool. Okay. Well, that's something to plan for sometime in the future. Yes, it might that's another game to uh, to come up with a scenario for it for a, a one shot. But um, yeah. I think actually the easiest thing would be to create some some uh, some scandalous 
conspiracy nonsense all taking place during a jousting tournament. That's as that's as simple as you could get. Um, I think to yeah, get you that, into uh, it. Yeah, I've, almost you could you could lift a medieval morality play and just and just use that. Uh, you know, one of them, uh, I can't remember what they were called now, but one of those plays they used to have and just go, right, we'll do that. With a Warhammer twist, this time it is Beastman knocking at the door kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Cool. Um, Great. I'm, I'm just, so actually, Britannia's... Yeah. Really, really interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Right, with that, uh, we've mm-hmm. definitely hit our hour here recording. Um mm-hmm. If anyone has any further questions or has any comments about this episode and previous ones, you can email us at darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at darkerdaysradio. You can find us on Facebook. And, of course, you can find the link in the show notes and everywhere else to our Discord community to talk about this. Of course, if you want excellent Warhammer uh, Warhammer community content in the form of podcasts and hot takes and and what not to buy and is this really the price of this box set and stuff like that, (laughs) um, you can go over to Realm of Fire with Rob and Brendan and you can find some excellent content there about the war games as well as the role play games. Um, that's about it. So I think the next episode will be something 40k based, I feel, to uh, carry on. Uh, as I said, we are planning to do a stream game at some point of Wrath and Glory. I've got some yes. ideas in, in in my uh, head for that. Obviously, go over to Twitch and go over to our YouTube. Um, you can find the current episodes of, uh, of Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition 24-hour party monsters, which is set in Manchester, UK, and that's been a lot of hilarious fun. Have you watched any, Rob? I have. Sorry, I was just I was just singing 24-hour party people there as a little it's, atmosphere. Um, pretty, pretty dark. Yeah. Yeah, it's enjoyable. It's I really enjoy it. Not preening vampires at all, is it? Nope, not at all. No, very, very... Yeah, it's good. It's a really nice Mancunian twist on, on things. I like it. Yeah, with really stupid attempts at accents, but yeah, cool. Yeah, okay, wasn't, wasn't going to say anything, but um, yeah. No, it's always it's always <laughs> crap accents every time. The only good accents I can do are farmers, um, based upon my Herefordian background. Um, right, with that, we're going to end there and yeah. say goodbye. So goodbye for now. Bye. <laughs>